Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. Glory LeSean is a speech-language pathologist and Air Force veteran who started a telepractice-based private practice about a year before we all started doing telepractice. She is very purpose-driven. She wants children and families in more rural areas to have access to SLP services, and this is a main reason why she started offering telepractice. She talks about being a private pay-based practice and also how having EI contracts has helped her grow. She has also hired independent contractors to deliver most of the therapy as she has started to move more into the CEO role. Glory is a member of one of my higher level programs, and it has been wonderful to watch her private practice growth. If you have an existing private practice and you are beyond the beginner level and looking to grow your private practice, head on over to growyourprivatepractice.com to learn more about the higher level programs that I offer and apply if you are ready to accelerate your marketing, your revenue, and hire a team. So now, let's meet Glory. Before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? So my name is Glory LaShawn, and the name of our practice is Glowbright Therapy, and I am actually based out of Dayton, Ohio, but we are a telepractice that practices in about 15 states so far. Fantastic. So Gloria and I have been getting to know each other over the last uh, couple of years, I would say. And one of the cool things before we started recording, Gloria said that she's been listening to the podcast for three years and now she's a guest. So how cool is that when people come full circle from being a, a listener to a successful private practice owner to then a guest on the show. So before we talk about kind of where you are now and, you know, about how your company, you know, started and is growing, tell us about your career and how you started in um, the field of speech pathology, which I think you started with something else first. So tell everybody about that. 
Yes. So I started um, in the Air Force. I joined when I was 18 um, and I stayed in for about eight years around the time that, you know, the Iraqi um, Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan were going on. And in that meantime, I always wanted to be a psychologist. So that's actually why I joined the Air Force was to get a career started in the Air Force, but also to have the tuition assistance to be able to get my degree in psychology. And um, during my um, general ed classes, I met an SLP. She was actually teaching one of the classes on communication. It wasn't specific to speech language pathology, but she talked about her career and how she helped children. And then at the time she even mentioned autism, but I didn't even know, you know, what autism was. This was like 2001 when I was starting my night classes for psychology. And I just thought, you like, well, you know, like, you know, she's helping children and this sounds like so awesome. And although I still loved the idea of being a psychologist, I started looking into being a speech language pathologist, but we didn't have any programs around the area where I was at in Biloxi, Mississippi. Um, so, you know, I just continued forward with my psychology degree. And, and during that time in the Air Force, I was a respiratory therapist or cardiopulmonary technician. So I was on a critical care transport team um, with a doctor and a nurse. And we actually ended up deploying twice during like Afghanistan and everything. Wow. Um, so in that meantime, though, I still continue to go to school and continue learning about being a, in the career of psychology just because I always wanted to help others. But always in the back of my mind, I wanted to be a speech language pathologist. But to make a long story short, I got my psychology degree in 2005. And then I got out the year after because of my daughter, um, Siomara. She is my, my first child. And at that time, I didn't want to continue to have to deploy and leave her. So I made the decision to separate from the Air Force. But Um, I took a little break from school and then I started a master's program in psychology, but I always had the feeling that speech language pathology was something I really wanted to do. And I um, kept looking and finally they had an online program and this was like 10 years later. So I want to just tell the story not to be like long winded, but, you know, just to not give up on what you feel in your heart you should do for yourself. And, you know, if you want to help others or start a business or um, you know, anything that really calls you um, to a purpose. I 10 years later, I found the online program at University of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And I actually applied and the lady called back and said, I didn't have all the credits or the classes that I needed, like the, what are they called? The, oh, yeah, the prereqs. The prereqs, the prereqs yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I was like, okay. So I started a, an online program at Utah State University to get a bachelor's. And I finished that program. And then in the meantime, I was keeping up with um, the following year doing the application again for UC. And she called, she even called me back that year and said, Oh, you know, where the deadline's coming up, make sure you get your. So she remembered me, um, the, the person in charge of the program. Um, so then I finally got in after my second try, after 10 years later of finding out what a, even an SLP is. And so, you know, just I wanted to share that part of my story just because I know sometimes, you know, things are aren't always easy to reach, but, you know, just don't give up on them. 
I love that story of persistence, right? And also of being like, you know, having something in the back of your mind, like, hey, I really want to do this thing. But like right now, I'm not really set up to be doing that. So, you know, some, sometimes that happens too, right? Where we get kind of on a path. Mm-hmm. And then at some point we have to decide, are we you know, going to stick with the path that we started? Or do we want to really, you know, like change gears, right? So, yeah. you know, you... So you you started changing gears then, right? And then then we're gonna head into a master's in speech pathology program. So tell folks about what what grad school was like for you, and and then you know what were your early days once you were finally graduated, also like for you. So grad school was pretty, I would say, not you know, like you know obviously our program is difficult, and then working. I was a respiratory therapist. Um, after I got out of the Air Force, I continued to contract at the uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base. So I was still doing that. And then I actually switched to night shift so I can be able to um, have a little more time to work. And then I had my two kids. Uh, By that time, I had my son. Um, So, you know, it was like difficult trying to manage being a mom, being in grad school, being a respiratory therapist on night shift. Um, But somehow, you know, I managed you. I feel like you just adapt to those situations when you're really trying to focus on what your goal is. Um, But, you know, the program was really great. UC had a great online program and um, we were able to join the live classes. So it was really um, geared towards, you know, adults that are um, not traditional, non-traditional students is what I was trying to think of the word. Um, So non-traditional students. I was able to, you know, go to school during the day as far as like doing the online schooling and then work at nighttime. But, you know, the program was, I feel like, even though it was online, we were able to still get the same education that everybody was getting on campus. So it was a great experience. And the clinical practicums that I um, was able to attend, which one of them was at the veteran, um, the Dayton Medical Veterans Center. So that was great for me just being a veteran, being able to have that experience. Oh, that's fantastic. So yeah, again, your your story just kind of keeps revisiting itself, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, then getting able to have, you know, a placement like that. Okay. So then you, then you graduate and you start your career as a speech pathologist. And so what was, what was the, maybe the first job that you had or some of your first early clinical experiences that might've started you thinking about private practice? So my first, I actually had to be in the schools for two years because of the scholarship that I got from UC. It was because of the um, need of school speech language pathologists, they had that special program at the time. So I, my first job was at the in the schools, um, and I actually ended up staying there for five years. And I was always like, oh my, um, after two years, I'm going to leave because I'm a, I'm going to be a medical SLP. You know, being a respiratory therapist, I wanted to stay like medical. And not saying that it's not like medical what we're doing, anyways. You know, even whether you're in private practice or pediatrics or adults. Um, but I just had that mind, like I had to be like in a medical setting. So I thought I was going to leave after my two years and I totally fell in love with my kids in the schools. And I had to like moderate to severe needs, um, classrooms with ASD and, um, like cerebral palsy and, um, down syndrome. So I loved my kids and I just, you know, fell in love with being there, except the burnout started to happen like year three. And I, struggled through it for the next two years, unfortunately. And after that, I decided like around year five, that's when I really started to struggle with the burnout. And I actually never thought about private practice, to be honest with you. I never thought I would be like a business person. I And you know, you talk about this a lot, like you can't be a helping person and a business person. I always thought I was going to be 
like a helping person, like that I can't yeah. like business isn't in, in that, like within a helping person. I'm not sure why that mindset happens, but you know, it's just the mindset that I had that I wanted to help people. I never thought about being an entrepreneur. So to come around to the how I started to think about private practice um, during a vacation in Disney, my daughter was a dancer for like nine years and she had a competition there. And on the way back after I left the schools that um, in 2018, I was transitioning into working with a teletherapy company. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband, my now husband talked about, we were driving back. He was like, oh, you know, we should start a private practice. You know, you so know so much and you're doing all of these things anyways. You know, we should, we can really do this together. So in that time, we started learning how to start a private practice. And I Googled private practice and your name popped up and your podcast popped up. And that's how I really learned the ropes of how to start a private practice. And at that time, you didn't have your start, your practice program. It was like when you had the ebook mm-hmm. and things like that. I think it was that like later that year you launched that program. But I like downloaded the ebook and bought a couple other things and listened to like all the podcasts and I like have notes. I still have the notebook full of notes of everybody, what everybody was saying. So really the encouragement of my husband telling me that we can do this and, and then, you know, finding your resources and your podcast is really what helped me, um, you know, give me that encouragement and support of starting our practice. Now, well, th- thank you for all that, first of all. But the second thing is that, you know, you, you went into this knowing that you wanted to do telepractice, right? Yeah. So that's, um, I can talk about that real quick. We, so we knew there was a need, you know, I always hear how there's providers long wait lists and, you know, there's a need and, um, just in like rural areas and just in general, like having that accessibility. So that's what gave us the idea of providing accessible services through the online delivery model. And at that time I had five licenses because of the teletherapy companies that I was working for. So I, we just thought, like, how can we make things work for us and building our practice and utilizing these licenses and then also making it a practice that's location independent, you know, where we don't have to have the brick and mortar, but we're still able to have impact in different communities. Um, so that's how we really had the idea of teletherapy. I can also go into a little bit of the negative thing that happened right away way I, I kind of talked about it in the group I don't know if you want me to or not but it happened initially and just that things like this might happen I did have someone that I had three clients with for home base um with it, like it was like 40 minutes from where I located anyways when she found out she I was having a develop or starting my private practice she had an issue with it and I did have a non-compete clause but I didn't I guess understand that that meant not like to me, non-compete clauses, like you don't take someone's clients, which I would never do. You know, that's what I, I see as non-compete, but I guess in how it was written, like it could basically keep me from doing anything and to keep from, and we had to get a lawyer and it was like a whole ordeal for like months, but initially right when we started in April of 2019 until like August of 2019, we had to deal with that. Um, so, you know, you always teach us to start, you know, home base, you don't need a clinic, you can, even though we, our main purpose that we wanted to serve was through teletherapy, we thought, oh, you know, we can serve the community, I live right by the Air Force Base, and that's an important community that I want to be able to serve, 
But because of all that, we had to put a hold on home therapy for two years. And this is the year that we can do now whatever we want because we agreed just to not have like a long court hearings and $20,000 of legal fees. We decided to just agree to not pursue home therapy or have a clinic and things like that. You know, and it's unfortunate. I feel like we should have that abundance mindset, you know, and collaboration over competition. Like I know how you and a few other SLPs that are in the business realm of our field, you know, always talk about that. Like we don't have to be in competition. So just, you know, when things like that happen, don't let them stop you from pursuing your dreams. You know, you're not doing something wrong by trying to start a business of your own to help others. So that's another reason why we stuck to teletherapy because of that. But our idea was always to be location independent and reach more families through the online delivery model to make things more accessible. Yeah. Well, I like, I like that mission too, right? Like I, well, let me just say, I hate that that happened to you, right? Like I am, I hate non-compete clauses for employees. I yeah. think that they, they can be very restrictive and it's just, you know, it's not helpful to anyone other than the business owner, but it's also not even helpful to them because right. it makes, you know, for bad employee situations. And I just think that they're terrible and they definitely come from a scarcity versus abundance right. mindset, right? Like, cause everyone listening is like, can tell that all glory wants to do is help people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so to like, you know, clients or anything. So. Yeah. To like take away like the ability for her to help. But like the good news is, is that y'all figured it out. Right. And I also love that you talk about your mission of being location independent and being able to help people in more, you know, rural areas. Mm-hmm. So I think that's fantastic. So what does it look like to start a private practice that offers teletherapy? And what did it also look like? Like this, y'all were doing this before COVID, right? So, so she was doing telepractice before the rest of us were doing telepractice, right? Mm -hmm. So, so talk about what starting a telepractice based private practice, you know, was like then, and then what it's like to run one now. Yeah, so we actually finally launched in April 2019. So we started the process at the end of 2018, but, you know, just getting everything together with the LLC and, you know, finding a lawyer and everything. Um, We finally launched in 2019 and really how we've been able to start since I feel like it's, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, she can reach so many places because of my, our licensures and it can be difficult though, because of the visibility, you know, you're not a well-known place. And then with the thing that happened with um, the other person that was um, trying to sue us for starting a practice, I had to put on hold really reaching out to our community until this year. So what we did is um, reach out through um, early intervention contracts. Um, So one of the things I know you always talk about is, you know, start before you're ready. So that's kind of what I did because, you know, in the schools, you kind of do a little bit of everything. You're kind of a jack of all trades and don't have that specialty. But for some reason, I always felt called to maybe learn more about early language and communication development. And I reached out to directors in different states that I was licensed in about with their early intervention. And I told them about our practice and, you know, really talking about how we can fill the need because I knew there was a need in EI just from what I've heard that it's hard to find providers. And then the driving to each area, you know, sometimes that's difficult for people to drive an hour to go see a family. So I thought, you know, this is a perfect 
specialty that we can fill a need that's, you know, I know is needed. So I started reaching out. So before I was ready, before I even really knew a lot about EI, you know, obviously I, I did the trainings and learned in the process, but I reached out to people and told them about our mission and how we can help them really how we can alleviate the stress of finding providers. Um, So I reached out to them and then we also do Google ads and that's another way of having more visibility in each state. And that's really how I was able to start building our, our clients and our caseload through reaching out to those main, those two main sources, since we couldn't really have the local visibility that we would like, you know, as, being a private practice owner here in Dayton, Ohio. Um, So I just kind of had to think outside of the box and just, you know, put myself out there before I was 100% ready and just learned as I went through the process. I'm really always thinking of how can we um, fill the need, you know, alleviate the need of needing providers and then also being purpose-driven and how we can help. Well, I, I absolutely love all of that. And I think that it's really you know, something that not everyone thinks about is when you do have a, when you're offering telepractice in states that are different than the one you're living in, right? You do have to think about how to raise visibility, right? And how Mm -hmm. to help people know you, right? And so, you know, you can't just like wait for someone to drive by and see that your sign, right? right? Right. Like if you have a local practice, right? So you really do have to put the effort to go out there. And so I think it's really smart that you, you know, try to contact people who may have issues finding providers and kind of go that route, right? So going like almost to the business, you know, or to the the agency rather than going to the clients, right? But the Google ads, right? You know, I would assume that that is actually attracting the clients themselves and not necessarily the agencies. So that's a smart way to do it. Yeah, people, anyone who searches Google knows that at the top of Google and on the sides, like depending on what terms you search for, there are basically like suggestions, right? So that's what Gloria's talking about when she's talking about Google ads. Yeah, so that's, we. so we have like business to business contracts with the states, mainly right now in Ohio and Colorado for earlier intervention. And then we do have our private pay clients. Um, and that's another thing that, has kept us from insurances because over prior to COVID, you know, it was difficult to get telehealth covered. Um, and during COVID, we did try to get insurance. And we have right now we do have TRICARE, which was important to me as a veteran to serve the military families. And then we have Blue Cross Blue Shield. But then a couple of things fell through with the other ones, just with credentialing, you know, sometimes the people helping you, sometimes that doesn't always go 100%. So we are in the process of figuring out what to do next, but we are mainly private pay and contracts through like business to business with the state programs. Um, But, you know, it's if you're I know a lot of people have questions about private pay and I feel like it is possible just it is slower growth. You know, it's not like, you know, you can gain 50 clients within a couple of months, you know, because a lot of people are growing or wanting insurance. But I feel like if you learn how to um, communicate how you're, you know, meeting their need, how you can support them and how you can alleviate the stress that they're having and, and really provide the value in your services. I had to learn that myself as like, you know, when people ask our pricing, even though we make it accessible, that was a struggle, like, Oh, well, we're, you know, this much half an hour. And, but now it's like, I've learned that having that mindset of, we do provide value. We are here to help. We're here to support you. And we can you know, meet your child's needs and help empower you in the process. And so it's really just about 
learning how to communicate what your value is. Yeah. And positioning yourself as a, as a solid provider who can provide the service that the people are seeking. Right. Like I think sometimes I use um, the analogy of like cars, right. So like you can have any kind of car, right. You can have like a cheaper car or a more expensive car. And the purpose of a, po- of a car is to get from, you know, point A to point B. But there are certain cars that are positioned in different ways, right? Like if you think about like a, I don't know, a Honda Civic or something is positioned more as like a durable, more budget car than say like a Tesla, which is, you know, positioned as a higher end vehicle. Like, you know, there's some differences in the engine, obviously anyone who knows cars, which I don't obviously, Um, but you know, it's about, it's about the positioning and what, you know, what, so for you, for private practice owners, I want everyone who's listening to be thinking about like, you know, how are you positioning your practice, right? Are you positioning yourself as uh, the budget option, right? Where you can, you know, the prices are, are cheaper and you can come here, which I don't recommend. Or are you positioning yourself as the one who, you know, this is our price, but like, this is your child's problem and we are very well equipped to help you, right? So just, you know, be thinking about how your private practice or your future private practice is going to be um, positioned. But my next question for you is, you know, I, I know because I because I know you that it's not just you doing all the therapy. So tell folks who who is working for you and who is delivering a lot of the therapy. Yeah. So last year, actually, around this time, I started to um, contract um, independent contractors. And what's funny, because uh, when I would talk to my husband about it, I'd be like, oh, I don't think I you know want to have independent contractors. Like, I think I could do all the therapy. And, you know, it was like changing my mindset into being more of the like CEO role. And, you know, I always thought I wanted to just be the therapist, but in building our practice, it really, I like this year has been like, I feel like the messy middle of growth, you know, and that's why I'm in your program, six, (laughs) six figure practice. And that's really helped me to learn how to build systems and, and continue to grow our team. So last year we added three independent contractors and they have really um, helped us grow into, you know, where we are now. And actually we've had a change in our team recently where we had to hire more independent contractors, but now we have, so by next month, we'll have like six independent contractors and I'm going to start stepping out of a day-to-day therapy because for me personally, um, I find that it is very like difficult to really focus on a hundred things at once. And while I, you know, still want to treat, I do want to step in more into the CEO role and have that vision of growth and how we can further expand our impact um, through our teletherapy practice. So we have um, six awesome SOPs. You know, we really try to hire people with the same core values that, you know, we have as part of the practice and, you know, professionally and personally and, you know, just continuing to build and grow and figuring out you know, how to step into that CEO role while continuing to provide the best services possible through the online delivery model. Yeah. So it's been a learning process, um, but definitely I, you know, I have loved every step of the way. 
Yeah. Well, I love how you talked about the messy middle too, right? I think that it's important for people to know that growth, it can be a little bit messy, right? Like, you know, starting off can be um, kind of like a long and winding road for some folks, right? But but the, the messy middle, there is just like a little bit like, you know, you can go in more directions. I feel like you can, you know, you can either hire people or not. You can see like a thousand clients all yourself, but then you might right. get burned out in the same way that like, remember when you were burnt out in the school? Right. So you don't want to go that path. So there's a lot of different directions you can go in. But, you know, I'm just very excited that you have found something that works for you and for your family and also for the communities that you want to serve. Yes, exactly. And that's like exactly what you said. You don't want to create something where, you know, I left the schools because of burnout. I don't want to create a business that's burning me out. You know, I want to create a business that serves others, but also sells me as a business owner where we can have that flexibility. And also that serves the SLPs that join our team where they can create their own schedule and really have that caseload that they love, you know, so it's like serving all of us, the families that we serve, serving me and my husband as the business owners and the SLPs that join our team. Um, so definitely, you know, I think it, it initially you have to wear all the hats, but learning early on how to start stepping away from that and building your systems and building your teams is vital to creating that business that you love, can love, you know, and and will love for years to come, not just feeling like you have to just do everything yourself all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's part of growth, right? Is is kind of figuring out like, you know, what needs to be done and then what needs to be done by you versus what, you know, maybe could be done by other people, right? And I think that you also learn that when you see how other people do things right. Like sometimes, you know, um, for speech pathologists, we just don't tend to have this like track to private practice where people, you know, can follow an easy track, right. I see that as my big role is to making a path that is, you know, um, not always easy, but at least straightforward of like, you know, you do these things and like, you know, this, this will probably happen. Right. So I think that that's, that's really important. And one of the things that we talked about before we started recording was you were talking about some advice that you wanted to give to other clinicians just about like how to level up yourself, you know, and uh, so t- talk about that a little bit. Yes. So definitely I was telling Jenna how I really feel like having that mindset of, you know, you can do this and under, and I've worked working a lot through money mindset issues with being a business owner and a helping person. I, you know, struggle with feeling like I shouldn't want to make money and things like that, but just, you know, working through those uh, being first self-aware of what your mindset issues are and finding the support, whether it's, you know, through looking things up online or finding a group or a mindset coach being aware of those things that are kind of keeping you from moving forward or holding you back, you know, mindset, I feel like it's key in all aspects of life. So I I have always believed that. That's why I wanted to be a psychologist because I feel like the mind is so powerful. So just always being aware of those things and don't let them keep you, you know, back from moving forward. And then also investing in yourself. Like I've invested in several coaching groups. Um, Jenna has always been one of my top groups that I've been in, you know, when at first it was just her podcast and her ebook, then I joined her growth um, group on Facebook. And now I'm in her six figure practice group for, you know, growth SLPs that are in the growth process. And I also invested in a few other 
programs that just, you know, don't be afraid to invest in yourself. And, you know, that return on investment will, you'll, you'll see that return on investment in the future. And that it really has helped guide me into understanding how to be a businesswoman, what I need, you know, what systems I need, what, how to set goals, how to set quarterly goals and not just doing things you know, on a whim and, you know, really understanding what it takes to be a business owner, you know, because we first start out and, you know, we want to start this practice and help others, but there's so much behind that. And while our passion and our want to help others is important, you know, we also have to have a good understanding of how to keep growing, how to have those systems and how to be a businesswoman. And the fact that those coaching programs, you know, especially your program, we have a great community and support and we can ask each other questions and we're all in that same kind of like that same level but then also you have the mentors that are you know already established that can help us understand what we need to go to the next level so just having those things um, that support you along the way I feel is so valuable and whether it's you know two hundred dollars or five thousand dollars you know it's really you will find if you put in that work into it and and being part of the group, you know, you really have that return on investment. Yeah. I love that. And I love having you as part of the program. And I think it's really great when, when SLPs do learn how to invest in themselves, right? You know, um, I think people have a general familiarity, say with like the stock market, right? Where like, if you invest, you know, some money now, the idea is that you will make more money in the future, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily know how much, right? That's part of like how like the stock market works, right? But the same, but with, you know, these types of programs, I think that your return on investment comes a lot from you, and from, right. you know, what, what work, you know, you put into it, right? Because you, you can have access to, you know, course materials or coaches or mentors or this kind of thing. But, you know, um, it's up to you to really make the big change. But if you do, the return on investment can be enormous, right? Like I too have invested, I mean, lots of money in coaching right. programs and it's great. Yeah. And I, like you said, that's why I want to make sure it's like, you know, you're paying that money and and expecting the coach to have all these things for you, you know, but you're the one that has to take action on them. You know, don't just invest in something and don't follow through with it because you're, you know, it's really up to you to take action on these things and, you know, work through them to help you keep growing. Yeah. I love it. Um, Before we wrap up, is there any other like pieces of advice or things that you would want to make sure that a listener just like you were a couple of years ago might want to hear who maybe is thinking about private practice or thinking about even starting a telepractice business or something, but is just thinking like, I don't really know if I can do it. Yeah. Just to always know that you can, you know, you have that mindset of, I can do this. I can't, even when it's, you know, I have, I didn't talk about everything that I have had to go through in the past two and a half years, but you know, things aren't always easy and really having that perseverance to keep pushing through when things, you know, like in Colorado, one time our Medicaid application got totally messed up and then our EI clients, that's how we get our payments. And, you know, I had to go through that whole process again. So it's like, I could have um, had that stop me and say, Oh, well, we're not going to do Colorado or early intervention. But, you know, I just, you know, had to figure it out. It took a, month or so, but, you know, we kept pushing through it and just little things that happen here and there, just don't let those things stop you. And just, you know, from the beginning, know that you can do this, you know, if this is your purpose and what you want to do for yourself and your family and, and others, 
don't keep, you know, the mind chatter stop you from pushing forward and just always know that you have that perseverance and resiliency to keep moving forward and just always empower yourself. And if you need a little help with mindset and empowerment, find people that can support you like Jenna and, you know, any other coaches that, you know, you connect with, it definitely makes a difference. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great advice. Um, where can people learn more about you, more about Glowbright? Tell people your you know, website or Instagram or wherever you're, you're the most on. So I, we have a, a Facebook group um, or not group, but page is Glowbright Therapy LLC. The Instagram is Glowbright underscore therapy. And then I have a passion project that I'm working on for parent coaching and empowering parents of um, late talkers. And that's talk underscore ING toddlers. I had to put that on hold for a little bit, but I'm going to get back to providing more content and building courses and things like that for, for that. Oh, and that's and fantastic. Our website is um, glowbrighttherapy.com. Fantastic. Well, everybody go check out Glory because she has a lot going on and you've just been incredibly inspirational. It's been amazing for me to get to watch your growth over the last you know year or so. And so, you know, again, everyone who's listening, I'm sure is incredibly inspired by you. So keep going because you've got more people to help in more places. And I think it's also great that you're going to be, you know, stepping up out a little bit more of the, you know, the day-to-day and having more therapists come in to help you out so that you can grow your business. Yes. I'm looking forward to stepping more into the CEO role and continuing to grow. And thank you so much, Jenna. You really have made a difference in just me learning how to be a businesswoman and starting a practice. And you're always so great about having that abundance versus scarcity mindset. And I feel like that's so important to have um, just in general in life and as a business person. So I appreciate you. I know your want to help us um, with our businesses and empowering us to do that. So thank you. Of course. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Don't you love Glory? I am so impressed with how she's built a private practice that works for her, her family, her community, and even communities in states that she doesn't live in by bringing telepractice services to people who need them. There are some people, both clinicians and clients and their families, who love telepractice. There are also some people who don't. If you and your clients are telepractice fans, building a telepractice-based private practice is possible for you, just like how it was possible for Glory. If she can do it, you can do it too. If you're just starting to think about private practice and you need help to get started, I would love to help you in my Start Your Private Practice program. Head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist to get on the waitlist for as soon as we reopen. If you already have a private practice that you're wanting to grow, I also have programs for growth level private practitioners who want to grow their income and their impact. To learn more about those programs, head on over to growyourprivatepractice.com. This is perfect for people who are in what Glory called the messy middle, and I would love to help you navigate it so that you can grow steadily and with clarity without the overwhelm that plagues most growth level private practitioners. So again, information on those programs can be found at growyourprivatepractice.com. I love supporting private practitioners at all levels of private practice. So let's work together to get you up and running so that you can help more people and help yourself too. 
Hope to see you next week on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Have a great week till then. So now that you've started your private practice and are ready to grow it, you may find yourself with one of two problems. Either you don't have enough clients and you're frustrated with your marketing efforts, or you have too many clients and you've maxed out your personal caseload and are thinking about hiring. Either way, you might feel stuck. Growing a private practice is harder than starting one. Well, at least it used to be. First, I made starting a private practice as easy as possible. And now I'm helping growth-focused private practitioners grow their client base, grow their income, grow their team, and set up systems to scale in my completely rebuilt and revamped six-month program called the Grow Your Private Practice Coaching Program. If you need help from me and my team to increase your income and your impact, visit growyourprivatepractice.com to learn more. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.